Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the 60 Minute Meal podcast. And I am your moderator, just a guy from 215, with my team of co hosts, Nandy B, Sammy Sam from Trinbago, and Mikey D out there on the West Coast. But I'm also privileged to have my fluid panel of intellectuals. I see you. Go ahead and get situated. Quit looking at me. I hear you. I hear you. Let's get ready to make a feast of this. All our listeners, let's go. Have a seat. Get situated. Let's nibble on this. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome back to the kitchen of the 60 Minute Meal podcast. This is just a guy from the 215 era code. And I have my team with me here in the kitchen. We got Nandy B. We got Mikey D. We got Patricia. We have Sammy Sam from Trinbago. And of course, we have Stephanie. How are we doing out there, everybody? How are we doing? I'm good. Grateful. Thankful. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go over the menu before we even go any further. The menu today, we have small talk. The small talk is Christmas memories and viewpoints on this sacred day. The appetizer is what is killing relationships nowadays, because that's the number one conversation going on social media. And the meal for the day is, are you religious or spiritual or a little bit of both? As always, we're going to do our gratitude attitude check. And I'm coming to you first, Sammy Sam. What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Talk to me. I am grateful that I was able to accomplish a big task on my shoulders. Tomorrow will be the culmination and it will be done. I'm grateful the Lord gave me all the tools that I needed to complete it. And I'm grateful that it's over. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Praise report. Praise report. Okay. Appreciate that, Sammy Sam. Mikey D, I'm coming to you. What say you? I had a medical procedure yesterday and the preliminary results is that everything came out good. So I'm thankful for that. Okay. All righty. Praise report. All right. Now, Nandy B, talk to me. Okay. Well, I'm thankful for another moment in time because so many people didn't make it. And we're all here today. And I'm also thankful that we're, in, we're living in a times of revealing. So many things are being revealed today. All of these people at the high echelon uh, um, positions are now being revealed to us as pedophiles, all kind of demeaning people doing wicked things. And it gives us a chance to look at life that everything rich, being rich and having all that fame and fortune don't mean a thing if you're not happy and if you're not um, connected to God. I'm grateful to be where I am and to be humble and thankful that I am so rich with so many wonderful attributes. Solid. Amen on that. All righty. Praise report. Thank you for that, Nandy B. I am grateful for everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the harsh, the plush. But what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, wiser, better, softer, nicer, etc. It allows for internal healing and understanding and growth in all areas of me and my life. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yes. In all areas. I'm going to stick my fork in this. I am grateful and thankful for seeing another day, seeing you all, and also having listeners who are all over the world that listen to us, talk about us, follow us, and support us, as well as the listeners and followers who are with us domestically as well. So I am grateful and thankful that we have followers because we have a voice and they speak to me about things that they don't like about what we talk about. And they speak to me about things that they enjoy about that we talk about. So we're going to keep being who they need us to be, but also keep being the authentic beings and this authentic tribe that we are. Yes. So Stephanie, I'm coming Good to evening. you, young lady. Good evening. Gratitude, attitude, where you at? Grateful and thankful for life. Grateful and thankful for my business prospering and for getting two A's in my classes. 
and passing my finals. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm just glad you are goal crushing, Stephanie. Keep goal, cr keep goal crushing and keep raising that ceiling. You hear yes. me? Thank right. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's get right into small talk, right into small talk. Once upon a time, we were much younger, much smaller, much more innocent, and much more dumb. I want to know individually and collectively your Christmas memory. Favorite Christmas memory on this sacred day, because guess what? Those who are listening to us right now, when this airs, it is Christmas day right now for them. So tell me a good Christmas memory that you have, Nandy B. Oh, wow. Um, well, it, it was a good one and a bad one because uh, every Christmas in our home, we got what we wanted because back in my time, our toys was very simple. Okay, glad to get a doll, teak, a teak, a teak. Um, what is it? A tea set and uh, clothes. But one Christmas, I always thought that there was a Santa Claus, and then one day, one one Christmas, I found that it wasn't. Oh wow! And I was, I had mixed feelings because I was like, "They're going." Santa Claus doesn't bring these toys here. It was right. my dad. Right. I saw him bring the bikes in. I saw him bring the, the toys in. And that kind of kind of messed with my head as a child. Yeah. Okay. But I was grateful and thankful. Okay. Mm -hmm. But truth was all up in there too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it stopped me from believing in Santa Claus. But it, it made me think about Christmas is about family. Right. And it's about sharing. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Nandy. I'm going to stick my fork in this next. Um, my favorite Christmas memory was when I was about nine years old or eight years old. And my parents actually got me everything that I asked for. I had the entire Star Wars Enterprise Strikes Back at the entire ensemble. Orlando Kyrician, I had Darth Vader, I had Yoda, Han Solo, Chewbacca. It was the best Christmas ever in my life. But then when when um during that Christmas break, when we went back to school that that particular Tuesday, I took all of my Christmas gifts with me to school. Why? And I and I traded them. We all them, know it's gone. We all know I, it's gone. And I traded them all. <laughs> For a He-Man, a Battle Cat, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I, okay, I didn't how know. How bad did you get whooped by your parents for doing that? I didn't even know. Right, so um, my late sister, who isn't here anymore, Marquita beat me. Marquita spanked my older sister. Out. She spanked me, and she kept everything under wraps. From, I, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, from yeah, my well, parents. He kept it under wraps. From my parents <laughs> finding out. But uh, that was my best Christmas ever because the following year, my grades were bad and I got nothing but the bare essentials for the following Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that was the best Christmas ever, I must say. And, um, and I never saw any of the presents Myself nor my siblings never saw the presents come in the house. Ever. Yeah. Ever. So we believed in Santa Claus. Okay? We did, but we also knew who Santa was. He was the big guy. He was dad. But the night of what Christmas Eve, we didn't sleep. We talked about what we think is under the tree, what we think is wrapped up underneath to the left and to the right and to the... The cat was playing with the boxes. We, we had a cat named Kiki and everything. We had a dog named Fuzzy and Butch. And it was. I just, had it going on. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It was a great time. It was a great time to be me as a kid. So uh, that's my Christmas memory. And uh, my viewpoints on this sacred day is it should be about family and it should be about 
what the day means to you individually, whatever your belief is. It should be about what you believe that day is to you. Whether you are a believer or non-believer, whatever that day is to you, own it. But uh, that's my struthers. Appreciate it. Sammy Sam, what say you? My favorite Christmas memories, especially in the Caribbean, was my mom getting ready for the season. You know, in December, how we always do, how island women always do, at least where I'm from, it's about getting new curtains to put up. Yeah. Um, my, mm-hmm. my mom, my mom would paint the the bathroom every Christmas. Every I think because it's all at the end of year, of the year. You know, we'd put up. I'm used to fake trees. The only time I learned about real trees was coming to America. But you, every mom would pull out the tree and start putting the tree up. And one of the best years we had was when um, we saw laser tag being advertised on TV, and we're like, because my dad used to come to the states and shop and bring stuff back. I'm like, Daddy, we want laser tag. Daddy, we want laser tag. My brother and I wanted laser tag. And sure enough, under the tree, when we opened up our gifts, you know, we had laser tag and we thought we were the shit. You know, <laughs> nobody around us had laser tag. Because daddy actually had to go to, um, because even up in the States, laser tag was getting hard to get. Daddy had to go to the company headquarters or something. And of course, he bought, bought a ton of them to come back and sell back home in Trinidad. But oh, nobody, oh, oh. but nobody around us had laser tag, so everybody wanted to play with our stuff. <laughs> we even, because him and I were the only two who could play, because you know you had to have the sensor on you. So we kind of set up our sensors in the gallery area so people could practice shooting to see, you know, who could hit the hit, hit the target. Right. But yeah, but that was, and then mom, you know, making Christmas ham, putting the ham in the oven, you know. So that was my Caribbean memory. You know, and always, and and one of the fun things is after you open your gifts, running outside in the hot sun to go play with your stuff. Right. You know, because right. we're, we're in the Caribbean. But my favorite American memory when we moved to the States was mom would start putting the, everything wrapped around, putting it around the tree. And I became a self, I want to know what my gifts were. So when my parents were at work, I would nicely open all my presents. I'm very slick at opening right at where the tape is. And oh being able to open up everything and see, oh my God, the keyboard. You wrong. Let me see. My mom, when I told my mom I used to do that, she's like, What you already do? I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, I was just very good at it. You never knew. <laughs> <laughs> but those are my favorite Christmas memories. Solid. And sometimes in the church too, but for Christmas to remember what it is about the Lord Jesus' right. birthday. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you for that, Sammy Sam. But to this shot, I care to know Christmas memories Ooh. and what's your viewpoint on this sacred day that we're on right now? Um, I've lived everywhere and I've traveled a lot, so I am thankful that I was able to experience um everybody's celebration, but for a large part of my life, what uh, we did um, in the Caribbeans were uh, we would decorate the outside of the home with Christmas lights. We really didn't have a tree and it wasn't based on, you know, gift giving per se, like Santa was coming. I never understood the concept of Santa. And so I came uh, back to America and, you know, that was implemented into my life. For me, it was like the grapes, the apples, the ginger tea, the caroling with like uh, church hymns that we would like sing and get together and do all that other stuff. Um, And we would actually craft trinkets, um, like handcrafted items that we would gift each other as tokens of admiration and appreciation. But um, for me, it was more so like we were able to just um, acknowledge just how thankful and blessed we were. And that was basically what we celebrated. It wasn't until later on in life that I came here. And because I didn't have um, a, a childhood, I never really was taught to believe on, you know, somebody bringing me gifts down the chimney, although I held it up for my cousins. Um, you know, I decorated the tree and all that stuff. But we always made it as a day of appreciation. And, you know, uh, the Caribbeans, we call it um, 
uh, epiphanies and pasquas and stuff like that. So right. um, it was always about just going into our neighbor's home and showing them love and getting together and, you know, having the rosary and doing mm -hmm. rosemary and, you know, praying all the time. But it was so much fun for me as a child because I got to eat all the knickknacks. And, you know, that's all we cared about as children. But right. those are my favorite um, childhood Christmas memories in the Caribbean. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. In the Caribbean. Yes, indeed. You and Sammy Sam. Mikey D, go on, take us back to the 1500s, man. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so so when i was a little boy i i love christmas carols right? right so me and my mom i used to go with her when we would go christmas shopping or she would go christmas shopping and stuff and i, I had this book and we would sing all these christmas songs just driving up and down the street right i don't know how nobody didn't get run over but we'd be just singing and <laughs> and and, and I, that, I used to i used to just love that right Right. Then when I became an adult and had kids of my own, my daughters one one year, they made all we made all these Christmas these cookies and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And they put them out for Santa Claus. It must have been fifteen cookies, and I had to eat fifteen Dang. cookies Dang. because yeah, because Santa because they said well because you know that's the only one know Santa came if he ate all the cookies and I'm like well you know what he might he he has to go to a lot of houses right so. <laughs> <laughs> he might, he might want to just tip. He might want to just leave us. No, 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 no. We're gonna leave all these for him, and we'll know. So I, I stayed up half the night eating these fifteen cookies. I was full. My stomach was just bloated the next day from eating all these cookies and stuff. Right? Oh my god! <laughs> Instead of putting them in a bag, you ate them. That's I beautiful. did. I ate them cookies. I was up for about one. It looked like you ate them. You didn't have to eat them all. They turning you into a pre-diabetic. But they, but they, but they were actually good. So then I got rolling with it. So right. All right. Hey, thanks, Mikey D. I appreciate it, Stephanie. What is your childhood memory, and what's your viewpoints on this sacred day that we on right now? Okay, one of my favorites. I can remember my mother bought us an easy bake oven, and my sister, the one that's a little older than me, we used to bake our little cakes and always we, we used to sneak and bake them too we always love eating our little cakes decorating them <laughs> that was one of the best ones mm. and as far as the um santa claus we didn't really believe in santa claus i, I think we learned that real early that that wasn't true so okay my viewpoints on it and um oh far as uh, i love getting up getting we used to get up get dressed go to church everybody was singing the christmas carols and all that then we come home and have a big dinner with the family Right. That's most favorite. Nice. Thank you for sharing, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Sammy Sam, something tells me you have your hand raised. So what would you like to say? I forgot to add two important things that I love that my mom, every Christmas morning, she would play, um, we call it internet parang. And uh one of the songs I will never forget, drink a rum and a punch and cream, a drink a man, it's Christmas morning. She played that every Christmas oh, and wow. it was about getting your rum cake your black rum cake getting your rum cake <laughs> hamburger <laughs> that rum. I can go for some rum cake today y'all mm -hmm. mm. feeling good on Christmas day huh? <laughs> rum cake. Hey, and here with the song says drink a rum and a punch and cream up <laughs> man it's oh, Christmas morning <laughs> <laughs> Christmas morning. <laughs> you was towed down on Christmas morning, Jack. Yep. Oh my gosh. Christmas, I thought it was New Year's Eve. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing to add to that, the one thing that we had in our house, we had a chimney. So as a young, young kid, I truly felt like, hey, we got stockings on the mantelpiece and we have a chimney. Surely Santa's coming up in this game. Until, but what did your dad say though? Right, 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 right. Yeah, of course, of course. Dad went ahead and he <laughs> he deaded that uh that conspiracy theory. Let's move on to the appetizer, okay? So I have my spies. My spies, they definitely go through social media and let me know what goes on out there, what conversations are happening, and a heavy 
every conversation that was happening at the top of today and it's still going on is the question of what is killing relationships nowadays? And I know, I think we're like, what, nine episodes in and we definitely have hit on what is going on or how is it being affected? Who's being affected in relationships? But now let's briefly get into what we think, just briefly, what do we think is killing relationships nowadays? Patricia, I'm going to you first. Man, I think we've covered that topic in all its entirety. I think everybody is basically um, sharing all of our thoughts. I feel like um, a lot of what we have discussed is so very true. And the majority have shared that is basic communication, emotional intelligence, um, being able to um, identify their traumas and I dump in on the next person that they're dating. A number of the things that we have discussed are generally in everybody's you know, mind and they express it so heavily. I think that um, even when we touch the topic of like dating, when people are basically getting instant gratification from any partner, right? any partner that they encounter is basically what you can do for me and what am I going to get out of you? Never like looking to find out what we can you know grow with and what we know about each other to be similar in order for us to find a foundation that will nurture us and and grow us as a unit so i think you know a lot of of what we've all shared about finding our own traumas in relationship and heartbreak is what's you know being discussed out here i've asked friends even when we have finish our podcast like hey I had an interesting conversation and you know we all shared how we feel what do you feel and they say the same thing you know that they have um basically their eyes are are full with the grass being greener on the other side and that everything looks shiny so you're with someone that may be able to provide you with like 80 percent of everything that you want like the 80 20 thing and yet people are you know being uh, driven to to go out there and look for what they want um, without being uh, really real to whoever they're dating. So it's a falsehood out here. And that's trumping on anybody really growing and nurturing each other. It's just basically an exchange of what can I get from you right now? Right, right. Yeah. Anybody want to add to that? No, I, because... I agree with everything she said. Yeah. I would just add to it that I think that a lot of times people are just relationships are such a delicate thing, right? Because it takes a lot for people to trust somebody else. And a lot of times they're not sure that they trust themselves what they're seeing. So they're reluctant to completely commit because when you completely commit to something, you become vulnerable in it. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people. Hmm. Okay. That's one way to look at it, bro. Okay. That's one way to look at that. Hmm. I appreciate that. I did not look at it that way. Okay. We're going to press on. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's get to the main course. Are you religious or are you spiritual? Maybe a little bit of both. Tell me why. And I'm going to go first. I am religiously spiritual. <laughs> That's what I am. I am spiritual at every corner, man. I'm I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, and it's because I feel like religion, this is just me looking through my lens. I feel like religion has a cultish type of undertone to it, where it tries to control who I can talk to, who I can be around, and it marginalizes people I love, people I care about. And it tells me that, hey, if they don't walk this particular walk, and they don't do this particular two-step dance, then you need to disassociate yourself from them. I can't do that. I love everybody just because, but my spiritual walk is more important to me than being part of any religion. So I'm coming to you, Sammy Sam. Are you religious or spiritual? And tell me why. Um, I'm a bit of both. You know, I understand. I remember in school as I'm, we're learning history and talking about history and different things. And I remember I brought this up to my teacher. I said, I think um, it seems like religion was just a way for the upper crust to control the class, the classes. 
And she was like, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so seeing that, I came to understand that. And, you know, I was brought up in the Catholic religion. We were, we were baptized Catholic. Yeah. I was sent to Catholic school, home in Trinidad. Yeah. yeah. You know, so a lot of the doctrines that I follow, you know, do come from the Catholic religion, you know, but I, I am Christian, you know, yeah. but I also understand you know, these people are supposedly here to interpret the Bible, you know, and they're supposed to help you on your journey. But not all these people are all right. You know, some people are telling you to do this and then out of their mouth, they're sleeping with this and doing this and doing that. You right. know, so you have to come to the point for yourself, you know, to say, you know what? Yes, I do. You know, this is how I was raised in this. But I also accept that religion ain't all perfect you know and right. that you have to look at your for you, the best thing for me is what is my relationship to god mm -hmm. yes you know instead of following all the doctrines of the religion but like i said because you were raised in it and you grew up in it you know you still adhere to some things in the religion some things not everything but you also accept that every religion isn't perfect you know, and that it's about your walk with Jesus Christ, with the Lord, that you have, that's what you have to maintain more than, you know, reading all these catechisms or something like that. Okay. That's just me. Okay. Hey, Sammy, Sam, I thank you for that dialogue. I thank you for your candor. But to that shot, get in there. Woo, you sure you want to put me down? <laughs> yeah, As yeah. I stated before, I have been part of a lot of religion. Right. And it was not because um, I wanted to more so because growing up, we started out as Catholic and then soon enough we became Christians. Right. And in all the knowledge that I was instilled, right, biblical information, stories and so forth and the other, I literally was riddled with all these anxieties based on just being human, right? You you sin with your tongue, you sin with your thoughts, and God is all seeing, and whatever you're doing, right? We're growing up, and we have desires and feelings, and I was uh, basically confused into how can I find the love of God if I myself am just this flawed individual that has desires that, as I was taught, were all wrong and that I was going straight to hell, right? And right. I was always in a frenzy about this, right? So as I grew up and I was free from, you know, um, the family that I was growing up with, because, you know, when you're a child, you follow as you've been taught and you go to the church that you go to and stuff like that. But once I left home, I wanted to understand why we have over 4,000 religions, right? And why um, we have one Bible that is in every church, but yet we interpret it differently. And for me, right, I think um, religion is division because even when you learn about Jesus, Jesus wasn't pushing, pushing religion. If anything, we were taught that in the Bible that he was punished by the people that he was trying to save and the people he was feeding information to, that he was bringing <coughs> miracles to. Um, so we were definitely, um, you know, taught to be spiritual in his message. But none of the religions that I, you know, I, I encountered were actually showing this right because the bible is a a book of stories that tells you right from wrong and every story you you get to see what evil drives you to and what good drives you to and i was caught up so long and wanting to belong into the right religion and i couldn't find you know any place where i felt at home and um, I was studying Buddhism. I was studying, you know, what this, the difference between Catholicism and Christianity, evangelism, Pentecostal, even Muslim, right? And, mm -hmm. and in reality, you know, we're divided, but we all believe the same thing. So I couldn't no longer accept that I was to be part of a religion. I went into, you know, my own self-acceptance that maybe I didn't belong to any of these groups and you know when I read the bible started to understand that the message was of love and spirituality and how God even you know when he was crucified forgave you know the two uh, people next to him which was a, a murderer and a thief because in their hearts they actually really did repent and ask God to forgive them because at that moment they were able to be clear and honest that they knew you know, that they had done wrong. Maybe it be that they were stealing because they were impoverished and they needed to feel, you know, 
feed their family or that they had committed crimes and atrocities against their own will in order for them to survive. So it's either kill or be killed. Um, so for me, spirituality, because I want to be able to understand God in the way, you know, that that he was taught in the Bible and the Bible is missing journals because Jesus was alive and his disciples were as well. So if they wrote, you know, if you do your research, he also wrote. And when you read about the Vatican and all of the scriptures that have been omitted in the translation from Hebrew right. to English, there's so many things that, you know, are missing. That's why we have so many questions. And who created God and where he came from and why God did and why he punishes us and why he doesn't read us from war and calamities. And and in reality, in the book, it says it, you know, um, fortunately, we have the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah. We even have stories in there of, you know, uh, where a woman gave birth and the rich woman gave birth to her child, which was a stillborn. And she went and stole the kid. And, you know, when the judge at those times said, you know, well, it's because we don't know whose child it is, we're going to split it in half. The real mother cried out and said, I'd rather her keep it than you go ahead and kill this child, right. where they were able to see that the love of a mother was the same as the love of God for all of us. We want to make right. sure that spirituality encompasses that no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, we're all worthy of love, acceptance, and understanding. So spirituality all the way. Thank you so much for that, Patricia. Thank you. Thank you for that soliloquy. Thank you. Thank you. Stephanie, you up next. What you got for me, Stephanie? Spirituality. And I would say I'm more spiritual. Than religious. I, was brought up, I was brought up religious, but I am. I'm spiritual. Now that I've grown and found out more about the Bible and Christians and how we used to, um, like she, when somebody just said division, I didn't, I never liked how they had all these denominations. It was kind of confusing. So that's when I started trying to learn for myself, like spirituality and just being more spiritual, like not being divided, like just loving everyone, whether if you're Catholic, um, Pentecostal, Christian. Um, Muslim, whatever you are, because God created all of us. And I just believe love. God is love. And that's what makes me spiritual. Okay. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you for that quick, quick, sharp. You're welcome. Quick, sharp uh, word right there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mikey D, what say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual because Jesus wasn't about religion. He's about relationships. Yes, thank you. Because religion, like you said earlier, is a, is a lot of rules and regulations where women can't wear this to church or if somebody doesn't have this or how much did they give for this tithe and offer, all those things that have nothing to do with God. Jesus was born in a barn. Okay, let's just keep it real. In a manger, in a barn, right? So he's right. not about all of these hyperphalies and rules and regulations. He's about relationships with people. He walked with tax collectors and prostitutes. Oh, so yeah, yeah I, I'm about I'm about spirituality. Okay, thank you, man. Appreciate that. Nandy B. Come on with okay. it. Okay. Well I am spiritual all the way. I was religious until I went to seminar until I went to the seminary for theology. And when I had to read books on past and a past history, ancient history, it opened up a whole new thought pattern of me seeing how religion keep us controlled. It keeps us not knowing that religion is a routine. It's a principle that somebody else put together and imposed on us. They couldn't live out those principles. So how do they think man was going to live those principles out? I was in a, so many different religious doctrines and my spirit felt no connection. But soon as I went to the seminary school for theology and I had to read those books, those books opened up a whole new paradigm for me. I pulled my family out of the church because the church wasn't giving them what I could give them about right and wrong, about character, 
about knowing yourself, being orderly, being mannerly, being conscious of other people. This is something that me and my husband had to show them in our walk in life. Okay. So to keep them in a church environment only kept them in routines. And I remember one of my daughters said to me, why? Because we were Catholics and they said, why are we praying to these empty statues? And I was in school during that time. And when I understood why they gave us statues, because that keeps that that programming going on. You you are this is somebody else's uh, uh, um, uh, statues about somebody did something back in the 15, 1400s or 1300s. And we are reviving this these statues. And I told her to stop. I said, because. If you don't feel it in your spirit, I think she was like 12 or 11 or 12. I said, if you don't feel it in your spirit, I'm not going to force you to, to um, feel it. Everything has to be natural. And that's what spirituality is. It's a, natural order. It's a natural order of things. You can't, you can't put uh, God in a corner and think that corner holds everything about God. It does not. The whole universe holds God. The whole universe has a spiritual energy to it, okay? So what I did was, after I finished the course, I was so distraught, and I came home crying every day, and I was like, you're attacking my belief system. You're attacking what I grew up with, right. okay? But when you have the right information and knowledge, then you know how to present yourself. You know how to think, you know how to feel, you know, even it, it even lets you know how precious and wonderful you are. You can read all the stories in the Bible all day long, but there is a Bible that's going on in, in, in us individually and collectively because we are all an epistle. We can all talk about how we were betrayed and and how um, people hurt us and 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 we were being taken uh falsely accused and and beaten down okay because it happened to us okay but they make you forget about your epistle of your life and make you keep tapping in on another history another time that doesn't help us to be to love one another it helps it separates us because one religion says better than the other and the other religion said don't this religion is, is is better than that religion. So you're competing, okay? And once I finally got my footing and grounding and I went on retreats and I looked at other people's cultures and I saw that the Western world is in pack with religion. The outside world on the other side, they're more spiritual. They do things together. They're thoughtful, they're kind, they're generous. It's like a, a family unit that isn't, they're not in the family, but you're a part of the family because you're in the community. You're in the neighborhood. You understand? Everybody looks out for each other. It wasn't happening here. With all the power and the knowledge that we have that's in that Bible, it doesn't stop us from hurting each other, killing each other, betraying each other. Okay? All we're doing is we're we're reading the betrayal and all of the... Um, the dark things that goes on. And then we find ourselves emulating that. We find ourselves doing the same thing. Right. Okay. So I am spiritual 100% because religion has kept us separated. I have a daughter now that it bothers me that this girl was the love of my life. She's one of my love children. Okay, she's in a religion that refuses to let her see her foundation, where she came from, how she came up the ranks with a family and took on a church family that keeps her from functioning, keeps her from being the jewel that I know that she is. Right. Okay, and when religion separates you from your foundation, and stops you from thinking about the people who gave you the power to be who you are today. Right. Okay. That's a doctrine that has a 
purpose of separating you from real love to that artificial love. Okay, mm -hmm. so yes, I am spiritual 100%. I, I don't allow somebody else's doctrine to affect me. I pray for them, okay? Because there's a scripture that says, God said, you will know my people by the way they act. So if you're not acting godly all the way across the board, Right. If you don't have compassion and mercy, and if you don't want to be unified with your own, how can you be have a unification with strangers Right. that you just met 10, 15 years ago when your family was there to be your backbone, Right. Cool. to pull you up, to feed you, to clothe you, to shelter you, to give you the things that you needed to get from A to B, and now yeah. you take on a religion that makes you don't want to call your mother? Don't want to call your brother. Don't want to be in a family unit. But you have accepted a family unit that shuts the real light out where the family you know, comes from. I have a question. Hold on, Sammy, Sammy. Hold on. Let, let, let Mike cook. Let Mike cook. Go ahead. God, Mike, God go ahead. is never a participant in the vision. Yes, so anytime, anytime somebody is influencing you to separate you from something that was special to you, that's not, God is not a participant in that. Well, no hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let me let Sammy cook. Go ahead, Sammy. I'm going to get to you in a minute, Mikey D. Go ahead, Sammy. From what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm asking the question. I feel like that's more of a cult than a religion, you know, but that's just me. Okay. You know, as you as you said, religion, you know, makes you want to bond with your family, wants you to be good with your family. Anything that's separating you seems to be more of a cult. I think exactly. they're all cults exactly because Jehovah Witnesses operate in the same manner. Yes. Jehovah Witnesses yes. separate you. You can't yeah. get blood. You can't be there if this, that, and the third. And I thank my grandma. Yeah, my grandmother turned Jehovah Witness, and I think it was because she was just trying to save money, to be honest, but don't quote me on that. Um, you know, because they don't celebrate anything, no birthdays. And I mean, she taught me about the reason why they don't celebrate birthday, because there's a story in the Bible that said that on somebody's birthday, somebody was beheaded because that's what he wanted. But um, when it came down to it, I had a kid that was premature and she needed, you know, she wasn't producing red blood, um, blood cells and she needed a bone marrow transfusion. And at that moment was the time that I was able to see the human in her that she said in the Bible, it says that we're no one to judge. You do what you must do. And I saw her in a different light because much of my life when she turned Jehovah Witness felt like she was, you know, in this cult. So I totally understand Andy B for that. But I think all religions, that's why I said they have this one book with the same scripture and they're divided. How can you pray to the same God and read the same stories and then shun the very people that you come from. It's stupidity. In the Bible, God says, when your child is astray, the one that, that needs you the most is the one you go seek. You leave the ones that are good and understand it yes. home and you go find the lost one. So how can you read this and believe exactly. this? And even in the, the past years, I read a story about a pastor that dressed up as a vagabond and he was in front of the church asking for change. And yes. everybody that was coming to the church that was dressed up and beautiful and they wanted to come and all this stuff. And he was asking panhandling and they all like despised him and sneered at him and made him feel disgust. Once the church doors closed and it was time, you know, to, to go into this uh, chapel, he walked in and he said, you guys say that you believe God and you hit your chest saying, forgive me, forgive me. But doesn't it say that you give where there's need? Doesn't it say you feed yes. the hungry? Doesn't it say you go this, that the commandments all is an indoctrination of you to have a soul and to be empathetic on the need? Because today you might be up, but tomorrow you may be down. And yeah. yet all of them divide. So in reality, they're all like mini cults separating our our unity your our our ability to be united in the belief that even in the Bible it says you don't need to go to a temple. You don't need That's to right. speak me you in a church. A Wherever you pray, you can find me because I'll be there. I am part of you and you are part of me. And yet we're living in a society where if you say you're Catholic and you're Christian, you sneer at them like they have AIDS or they're about to give you the cooties. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> I have another thing about the Bible. Pat, I want you to write that book, girl. I want you to write that book, Pat. Please write that book. Okay. I need you for that. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I'm saying there's a, another thing about the Bible. 
you can find a verse that will back you in whatever craziness you want to say in that Bible. Exactly. Because some people read the Bible literally, and I believe mm -hmm. you're supposed to read it abstractly because it's all it's it's not it's not literal. I had a patient who he read that you're supposed to drink the blood of the lamb. This is a mental patient. Oh, this Lord man Lord. broke onto these 70-year-old people's farm and oh, was Lord. out there killing their lamb. Oh, that was like that. Totally because when and when the police came, he told him, I'm just drinking the blood of the lamb, like the Bible says, right? Mm. This is a mental patient, but I'm saying because he his concrete thinking, he he read it literal instead of abstractly, which is how it's designed to be interpreted, in my opinion. Right. Probably of course, the story of, of course. Cain. People, people read the Bible and they don't even leave a half a door, a half a room door open for new information about the definition and the spirit of that scripture. I read and we're when in I was different times. And we when I was in, yes, when I was in seminary school, I had to read seven different Bibles and write a paper on what is the correlation from for all of them. And and behind going back to ancient history and finding out that the Bible was plagiarized by other cultures, other cultures who were living in peace, who had a doctrine. It wasn't religion because religion didn't come until play until the um until the Vatican to Rome and uh so when when all of this these uh uh when they took information from other cultures who were living peaceful and loving and they believed in that God that God was not just one person the God was the moon the sun the stars the heaven and earth the God was love, peace, truth, freedom, justice. The God was compassion, mercy, okay? All of the wonderful attributes are godly, okay? He told them I am, right? <laughs> yes. So, so when you condense, when they came up with the Bible, and the Bible was not written by no holy people. They were nope. written by philosophers. They were, mm -hmm. they were written by uh, uh, writers, authors, uh they weren't motivated by God. They were motivated because during the, the Roman times, there was so much beastly acts going on. They needed a book to spook people back into reality, to take them out of their beastly ways. And it wasn't, we weren't the, walk, we weren't the ones walking around being beastly. It was the higher uppers. It was the people in the high shalons. Who and even to... the statues were made by yes. them. The Jesus that they prayed to was a painting that was yes. created, I think, well, Michelangelo. I don't know. Don't yes. get me on that. But we well, are it's... definitely at, uh, loving false idols because it's a spirit, a sense of self, a sense of unity. Yes, yes, yes. And once you understand that you are a god and you are a goddess and understand it's not blasphemy, to say you're a god or you're a goddess because if you are a child of God, then you must be part of his godhood. It says you were made okay. in his image. Yes. I mean, how, how much more clear can it get? <laughs> Tell me about so it. If I'm made in your image, that means I'm a god in myself and I'm yes. a govern myself in the quality of life that I want others to see. And, and, and people just do not carry themselves as heirs, you know? And I feel that that was the seed that was burying on of us, to be yes. honorable, to, yes. to be able to walk away from people. And that's why I always say I, I, I leave everyone better than I found them, even if they have been energy vampires and they have demoralized me and struck me, I will isolate and heal. But I know that every encounter that I've had, I've been gentle and I've been loving because I know that we're in a world of pain. And if we're yes. godlike, we're to be understanding that everybody's going through a very real journey. And the devil, as is said in the Bible, was casted down to earth to test every single one yes, of us. So our yes. flesh is weak and we have free will because our choices on, on, on what we want, it stems from being able to choose what's right and wrong. And you could do wrong until so long and your body rejects it. And you have to go ahead and get clean and find your center and be able to rebirth yes. yourself in the light of God because it's really so toxic that if you don't die, you have to reinvent who you are to be able to work this earth with the knowledge of self, love, and, and gentleness. And you know what else, too? I feel like 
that with all these churches on every corner or every two or three corners, you have all of this powerful buildings with knowledge in it. But outside those buildings, the people that live within those neighborhoods surrounding those churches is pain, it's anguish. And those folks in them churches ain't coming into them communities to find out. I was a missionary at one time. And I remember going to a woman's home and the other women, the missionaries were much older than me because I was younger than they were. But my common sense, could I could look outside a person's house and I could say, daggone, she got sheets up against her window. Oh, oh, that, don't, that don't look right. Oh. And then the one... Uh, uh, a missionary said, oh, don't worry about it. Probably it's an abandoned house. No, oh, yeah. it looks livable, but it's not livable under the standards that she could live better. I went up on her porch and knocked her on her door and she opened up her door. Man, the stench that came out that when she opened up that door, I thought I was going to fall off her porch. But I knew that we needed to be there to talk to her so we can find out what we can do to help her. And those other missionaries said, well, D, you stay there. You stay with her. We're going someplace else. They're looking oh, for the yeah. nice houses outside. They're looking for calmness, okay? And you're not going, just because you're talking to somebody who already got it together, that's not helping nobody. The person no. who need help that don't have it together, that's who you should be helping. But In the churches, I they used to take the, tidings I, to help the community. All those people you're talking about, Somebody took them to God. They didn't take themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When they're lost, yeah. that's when God sent it to their right. door. When I yes. grew up, the reason why I wanted to be part of a group is because I grew up that the church will say, hey, I know that you guys are working. Anything you can donate, we appreciate it. And they would in turn take this, this money and say, which neighbor right now has a, a, a husband that is sick, a wife that is sick, children yes. that need full gear. And they yes. went to their home and made sure that they were able to sustain until they could get on their feet, right? But then yes. it just became an adoration of money. And now the pastors are looking good. And now, you know, all these stories are coming out that they're driving BMW you by the people that are coming to church are barely yes. making it outside of the world so how is this any better than the devil you know what i mean and this is what people don't realize that yeah. is just a human being they make these pastors and you know and preachers are like a god you know and there are people called false prophets you know it takes you know some people it's like people, some pastors are able to will their congregation to make themselves seem like the, like God. But, you know, a lot of people forget these people are human and have faults and everything. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I yeah. think about the Book of Eli, the movie with, Den with uh, Denzel Washington. And you had the detractors who were trying to seize control of what was left of that region. And then you had Eli. And when they found out that Eli had the Bible with him, they went through great lengths to kill him to get the Bible for a reason because they wanted control of the region. I read the book as well as watched the movie. And I guess with these detractors, when they came in to get control of that region. They say, hey, we need to control the narrative with who's living. Mm -hmm. and, the, and they felt that the easiest way to do that was to get that book that we, that we call the infallible word of God to use as a sense of control. And to me, I feel like there's nothing new under the sun. So if that is what would have happened if this was 2091 or 2029 in the future times when there's the apocalypse only a few are living and we're eating off of radioactive frequencies and what have you. And that book is living. Chances are the very thing that happened back in Roman times would relive itself in future times. Oh yes. Well, they and say if you wanted to go deeper, control. you can go ahead and do research 
where it states that the reason why it has omitted journals and then why there is information in the Bible that has been uh, translated to their, you know, benefit is because back where, where they were able to go into land and rob us of our resources, yes. the book gave them the ability to go ahead and make these people docile, right? Because now there's a wrath and there's a hell, but the yes. Bible was made to go ahead and like an NDB said, control the minds of the masses. Because in reality, right. we are the majority. We're not the minority majority or the majority of the minority, we are in numbers large because the people yes. of God have come from all the dark skins, the coily hair of wool yes. and all yes. this. And they made a, a Bible to go ahead and make the woman the sinner and go ahead and make you the servant of an imaginary being that they made statues and crosses about, right? To go ahead and continue to do damage to all of the people that like Nandy B said, even the animals were resources that they respected. No one yes. killed unless it was to feed and That's use right. even the leather to make sure that they were warm in the winter. So if yes. we wanted to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, let me tell you, it's ugly. It's ugly. Right. But you, but you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To divide. Let me, let me, let me, but, but let me, but let me interject. Let me interject, everybody. What we don't want to do is put the Bible on trial here. We're not. not okay, but 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 it it can, it, it appears that way to myself. It appears that way that we're putting the Bible on trial. I understand everybody's giving their philosophy and their viewpoints on how religion has become this thing. It's not a philosophy. Has, it's and fact. not to put the Bible on trial. No, 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 say, there's other things that the Bible may omit that people want to be able to educate yourself in. When I started this, I said the Bible carries stories that tell you good from evil. And this Bible will direct your heart to be able to move about life, knowing when to be patient, when not to let anger be the driver. So I'm not negating that the Bible does, you know, have a purpose. What I'm instilling in this conversation is that there's so much more to it that has been changed and manipulated that needs to be researched so that everybody has a knowledgeable understanding on how to still be inclusive of those people they've been taught to hate and despise. Yes. Okay. Okay. And 19 books have been taken out of the Bible. Those 19 books probably, probably holds the key to civilization. Oh. Okay. Of living socially, mentally, emotionally, financially, psychologically, physically, spiritually, right. and harmony. Jesus. Because they would not take those 19 books out for nothing. There was a reason because it didn't come underneath of the agendas of those who was writing it. And anytime and one book has been translated 5,000 times, yeah. why are you keep translating English, plain English, 5,000 times? Well, well, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, Andy, Nandy, but hold on, because we, can, we can't forget you got like 5,000 dialects out here now. Okay, we got to okay. build. No, but Can I mean, he's omitting things. They took out <laughs> fasting, and they also don't amplify the story where the the, the babble, the story of um, when God made sure that everybody spoke different languages was struck because everybody kept on miscommunicating in what the message was. So the story of the Tower of Babel was that they were constructing a tower all the way to the sky because they wanted to be stronger and more knowledgeable than God, but they weren't really understanding the scripture for what he intended, which was to live in this land that he provided us with the same respect and love, even if we don't always see the same understanding or perception of what is said, to respect one another without killing, without being right. envious, without, right. you know, yes. not honoring your mother and dad. The commitment, the commandments are through and through in every book the same. So that story of the Tower of Babel was to confuse and change the dialect of everyone in order for them to maybe gain a, a little pause and maybe come back together in union. But instead, it still constructed this, um, you know, money hungry communication between one another, where in order for you to interact with others is what you can bring to the table as opposed to saying, hey, brother, I have a meal for you. And then turn be able to celebrate life in unity, because sometimes money is not everything. I can sit with you when I'm broken and you have a word that might ail my soul. You may have a mat on the floor because I'm homeless, but none right. of that kept on transpiring between communications. We just kept on dividing and finding ourselves lost. 
So it's not about, you know, not wanting to honor the Bible, but being truthful because we're not truthful in this day and age. We're all constructing these lies. And the further we get into technology, we're almost in 2024. The reality of it is we haven't come together at all. And we're waiting for Christ to come. Christ is within yourself. When Christ comes, it's a calling to your soul where you wake up and say, I want to do better. I want to be better. And you become a minimalist. You're not looking to have the most shiny car and the fattest butt girl that there is. You're looking to say, I love my brothers and sisters. Because outside of all of this, when we die, we take nothing with us but our soul and our accomplishments. That's all. Exactly. Right on. You cannot right on. Yes. Right on. Right on. So to the believers like myself and the non-believers out there, we hope that this was a earful and a yes. mindful for yes, you. Yes, it was. It was chalk. Yes, <laughs> yes. We got to get out of here. This Christmas day to those who are listening. And as we close, I am sure there are many listeners whose tummy is full to the brim of your pajama pants. <laughs> and there are others who are seeking more nourishment but this meal is complete and it was darn right tasty a little bit tart a little a little bit of a acquired taste today but that's what healthy meals do for you so until the next meal is prepared let's keep this conversation going as you bob and weave through traffic or while amongst your cohort Evoking a deeper or greater conversation is what this space is for. So to all of our followers and our listeners, we thank you for tuning in on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. believe Happy the next Hanukkah. meal that's prepared, the next meal Merry is Christmas. all of us. Love y'all much, y'all. We love you, listeners, and I love you guys. We thank you for listening. Thank you for being my spiritual tribe. Thank you. Thank you. Write that book. Please write that book. Love y'all. Love y'all to life, y'all. Love y'all to life. Love you too. Peace out. Love everybody to the table that may need a meal and a warm change of clothes. Amen. Amen. You got it. See, good night, y'all. Have a good one. Talk to y'all later. Good night. Good night.